What will imagination get you? In Durant, Oklahoma, it could get you a happier, healthier lifestyle with a chance to live longer. I'm Garland McWaters, and this is The Spirit of Leading. On this episode of The Spirit of Leading, you're going to hear from Kara Bird, the executive director of Imagine Durant. Imagine Durant is a community development project that kicked off in earnest in January of 2015. And now, after several years of planning and implementation, Imagine Durant is probing the possibilities of becoming a Blue Zone project. Kara, thanks for joining us on the Spirit of Leading podcast, and we're certainly looking forward to hearing you share your experiences with this wonderful project here on the Spirit of Leading. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. The, uh, uh, you're, you've been the executive director of Imagine Durant from the beginning. Yes, from sir. 2015. And it's really been a, a journey. It's been an amazing, interesting journey. And I certainly want to bring people up to date on what's been going on since you started off. And so kind of where is the project right now? What have you been able to accomplish and where do you think you're going to go from here? So what's really wonderful about Imagine Durant is when we started, we were following Dr. Marilyn Hamilton's methodology of making sure that we were able to listen to our entire community to create a strategic plan. And I think that adds a lot of value whenever you're looking at strategy and a comprehension plan, because most time you just do that at at a city level. You don't do it where you're listening truly to your community members and who better to have value you an input about the community that they want to see than those that are living here currently. And so we spent three years going through a visioning process, listening to our community. And out of that, we created a strategic plan that implements several different uh, themes, if you will. One is a healthy and connected culture that we're going to be talking a little bit more about later. One is a vibrant and thriving community. And one is learning for also that all of our citizens are really able to learn and expand their knowledge base. And so all of those, you know, integrated together are going to work and create this incredible community that we're going to wake up in five, 10 years down the road and go, wow, how did we get here? But that's because of implementation and planning. Right. It takes a while for something to sort of uh, take fruition. Like I say, you plant the seed and then you nurture it and you baby it along, and then one of these days, you know, ooh, there it is. Mm-hmm. And uh, people say, well, how did that happen? Well, it took some, took some effort, took some tender loving care to get it to that place. Exactly. Why do you think Imagine Durant has been so successful and sustainable within the community? I know you spoke to it a little bit. Just having that community involvement. You know, whenever the community is involved in the projects, they have that passion and that heart behind it, and so they're going to usually get behind the projects that's happening. And as you're listening to the community and implementing what they want to see happen, it starts to build that trust within you know the community so if they say we really want to see something like a farmer's market come back and then they turn around in a year you have a farmer's market and they're like wow they really listen to us they really care about what we think and they want to see us be able to have the things that we've discussed and so I think whenever you are talking about the sustainability of a program making sure that you have the community buy-in and that you're following through on what you're saying you're going to do is one of the biggest what were those early days like when you first started sort of getting out 
there with the idea of what maybe this could be? Well, I think that the earlier days were a little bit challenging because it's very hard for someone to catch a vision. You know, a vision is not tangible. But whenever you start talking about what we plan to do today is what's going to affect your child and your grandchild and the generations down the road, all of a sudden people can start buying into that a little bit because they obviously want a great community for their family to grow up in and to live in. And you also think about, you know, if we are, are growing in our job market like we have here, we have to have a qualified workforce. Well, in order to have that, the people that are moving in here are going to want to see infrastructure and a great quality of life. And so people started kind of understanding a little bit about how everything was integrated together. And then they were able to catch that vision a little bit more, especially as we started having tangible projects like the trails project, writing ordinances to bring in food trucks and things like that, that did add to the quality of life here in the community. You just alluded to something that really is important, I think, in understanding this whole process is that you had to actually create not only the physical infrastructure for the things that happened, but you had to create sort of the the political uh, infrastructure, uh, the buy-in for ordinances, all of that had to work together. How did that go for you? Was that an easy sell? You know, I am very fortunate to say that it was not a hard sell. We had some incredible city leadership, county leadership, uh, leadership from our university and just our general public that wanted to see, you know, you really are not going to have anyone that goes, no, I don't want to see a walking trail. No, I don't want to see food trucks here downtown on a Saturday night. So, you know, thankfully we have had initiatives that people were able to get behind. And in one thing, when we first started the farmer's market, our city council was just phenomenal because at the time it was a thousand dollar permit fee for businesses. And so they actually changed that and lowered it to like, I think a hundred dollars or maybe even $50 for our farmers to be able to set up and for us to create a a farmer's market. So, Mm -hmm. you know, imagine Durant really and truly, if you think about cogs in a wheel, we're the ones in the center that's sort of aligning all of the people, you know, we're aligning our nonprofits, we're aligning our city government and, um, our industries and our businesses and our individuals. And when Whenever all of those cogs are working together, we're going to see the movement. We're going to see the things that need to happen go forward. I want to back up a little bit because this isn't your first big deal. Before you uh, came to Imagine Durant, you worked for the Department of Health for the state of Oklahoma on a project that I think was pretty fascinating. Tell us about those years. Well, I um, took my very first big girl job out of college working for the Tobacco Settlement Endowment Trust with the Department of Health in Oklahoma and kind of honestly fell into it. I didn't really know 100% that I was going to be so engaged and passionate with it. But um, what TSET does is they had a SWAT program, which was students working against tobacco at the time, and I was the coordinator. So I would go into middle school and high schools and work with these students and teach them how to be advocates against the tobacco industry that actually targets them as their current and future customers. And so um, we started learning a little bit more about how they use their marketing tactics and ploys to, you know, hook them in early, keep them addicted for longer and having them for, you know, a customer for life. And so as we were doing this, I was working with one group. It was our Atoka High School group. And we were talking about prom season was about to come up and how they try to make all of these, you know, tobacco ads beautiful and glamorous. And it just showcases, you know, this most beautiful girl, you know, eloquently holding a cigarette. And, you know, it it paints this picture. And so um, we decided to do something called Behind the Glamour. And that was a runway show that actually showcased local, uh, a local shop's 
prom dresses for the season and also talked about how the tobacco industry does target these young girls through their marketing and through their ploys. And so uh, that was the very first one that was done in the state. It ended up, you know, gaining statewide uh, recognition. It started being implemented in other communities. And um, we ended up just seeing policies passed because of it. I mean, it was an incredible initiative that, that started just because we taught these young women how to be advocates and to stand against, you know, a, a company that is targeting them and they honestly were just like this is crazy <laughs> I, I never would have known and they wanted to take a stand and do something fun and that's exactly what we did and i suppose that probably had an impact on the young men as well because when these if their girlfriends or their dates or whatever are saying no that's not cool they go well yeah maybe i need to rethink this yes and you know what um one of the struggles with tobacco in southern oklahoma is actually the smokeless tobacco and so we did some events around that as well, you know, because smokeless doesn't necessarily mean harmless. And a lot of boys, you know, kind of had that, well, it's the rough and the tough, you know. So they they honestly, um, I, I have to give my hat off to the tobacco marketing um, that they do because they make sure that it looks beautiful and pristine for women and that it's rough and it's tough and it's what you know the the gods do for men when it's the smokeless and so um you know we did some events around those as well well education and and good information certainly helps people make informed choices Mm -hmm. and what would you say there is about you or about the things you're passionate about that made you open to want to do that kind of a thing well honestly i really think that whenever you look at you know, passion. I believe that as millennials, we all want to do something that our work matters. And with that, like I said, I didn't really know what I was even stepping into all the way. I mean, I knew I didn't like tobacco and I didn't like to be around secondhand smoke. But then whenever I started being educated about how harmful it truly was and how they were marketing the young people, and I myself, you know, was still younger at that time, it, it honestly just made me so mad. (laughs) And um, I just kind of took that passion and I wanted to educate people. And that's really um, something that I think has translated over into Imagine Durant is, you know, we all have decisions to make, just like I said earlier. And if we don't have someone who is passionately fighting for change that we need to see happen or making decisions today that's going to impact the future, then what do we really have? And so I think just as um, a young person, and maybe it's just me, but whenever you find something that you're passionate about, it's really easy to be engaged and to move the needle forward because you want to see the effects of what, what is on the other side of that passion. Passion moves you, and, and pure motivation moves you towards something that you want to see happen. That's a natural energy that flows, mm-hmm. and uh, I call it a creative energy. And whenever you, it gets you, whenever you're mm-hmm. on in that spirit of that, you just can't not do it. Right. And, you know, I really think that your passion leads to your purpose. Mm-hmm. And that that purpose piece is so important. If you don't know your, your purpose, I would just encourage any young person that's out there, find what you're passionate about, and that's going to lead you to your purpose. And that's going to leave a bigger impact not only on your life, but the those around you and create a legacy. accomplished all this at a relatively young age because I mean you came right out of college to do the tobacco project and then you came here you know you've uh, you've you've certainly set a fast pace early in your life you were recognized by the uh, next gen under 30 project in 2016 that's how we first met mm-hmm. and then also the journal records achiever under 40 I mean you're a long ways from 40 <laughs> but uh, relatively speaking so you still got a lot more achieving to do before you even hit that milestone 
But, you know, nothing is ever accomplished, though, without its own challenges. Have you had some of those rough spots to kind of work through personally that could have gotten in the way if you let them get you down? You know, I would be lying if I said I didn't. I think that's anybody that is uh, just living. (laughs) Everyone has those challenges and those moments. And I think that whenever you can step outside of yourself and see that what you're working forward and and towards is bigger than just you, that you have a bigger goal, it's easier to push past those things. Another thing is, you know, you had mentioned that you came in 2016 and you interviewed Chief Batten and and Greg Massey, and I will praise their names as long as I live, but um, Greg Massey really changed my life because he taught me how to look past my own perspective and see the perspective of others and how important it is to be a lifelong learner. You know, I mean, I had never even dreamed of trying to think about picking up another book that wasn't fiction after college. I was like, I'm done. (laughs) I'm good. And then he was like, no, learning is a lifelong journey and you're not going to go any further until you start to learn that. And so, um, you know, I think whenever you can have someone like that who is able to speak into you and call that greatness out and also help you in those areas when you get stuck is really important. But if you're not also taking on that personal responsibility of pulling your own bootstraps up, if you will, getting to see past those issues that are in front of you and that there's a bigger purpose than just what you're dealing with at that moment, you're also able to just, I don't know, it's just, there's something about it that's so empowering whenever you you hit a roadblock and you figure it out and then you get to see the fruits of your reward mm-hmm. later on. And it, it's kind of like you were mentioning earlier about that, you know, you don't plant a seed and all of a sudden see a harvest. You know, there's till that has to go into that. There's the hard work, there's the sweat and the tears that some people don't ever see. And then they go, oh, wow, I didn't know we had that. That just all of a sudden like popped out of nowhere. Right. Not necessarily the truth. You know, the, the seeds we plant today in faith is the harvest that we see tomorrow. So... That's exactly true, and it happens over and over again. You know, uh, before, imagine Durant, the only other model I had of a city sort of coming coming out of its doldrums into something was Oklahoma City, because mm-hmm. I was living there uh, during the years that they were trying to attract industry, and people, they would, industry would come in and say, nobody wants to live here, there's nothing to do. I mean, we mm-hmm. can't get our executives interested in coming to Oklahoma City, and and uh, and that was really a hard lesson for people to learn because they thought you just give it away with the tax incentives and mm-hmm. people would just come. But well, that turned out not to be true, and that really was the the thing they that got them off on the maps project. And of yes. course, they continued that over the years. And now you're starting to really see some of the fruits of that. And that took a lot of hard work by a lot of people to really get there. It is not easy. It is not easy. It takes purpose and intention and vision and sticking in there and, you know, and gathering your true believers around you, whatever you need to do Mm -hmm. to keep it going. Uh, Along the way, what else would you say that you've learned about yourself in this sort of a leadership role? Because you're an executive director of something and when you're leading a project, even if you don't say, well, I'm a leader, well, you really are because of the role you play, but not just only that, but also Uh, the personality that you have and the personal power that you present yourself with and things of that nature. What have been some of your takeaways for yourself personally uh, that you think are going to be things that will carry you forward? Well, again, just being that lifelong leader, you know, constantly reading and personal development, being humble, 
um, is a big one too. It doesn't matter how much you're able to accomplish. There is always somebody else that has more than likely helped you along that way. And so being humble and giving gratitude and also making sure that you acknowledge those people that have helped you. I just feel like even if you are able to accomplish something, you probably didn't do it alone. And if you did, that's fantastic. But there are more people usually behind the scenes. And so I think being humble, making sure that you have a good group, even just people to bounce ideas off, you know, your mentors, your personal development. There's so many things that really go into making a leader that, and also having just a good sense of faith, you know, being able to also have some work-life balance. I think that a lot of times, sometimes with as leaders and as young people who are trying to, you know, force a way into, you know, the industry and starting out, we, we want to just give 100% and just go, 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 go. And that was sort of the, the way that I started as I was answering emails and calls and texts. And, you know, I remember my husband looking at me one day and he said, I really wish we could have a dinner without you working. And that just hit home for me. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. You know, I had almost made um, my job bigger than my family. Mm -hmm. And so I think too, making sure that as a leader, you're taking care of yourself and your family so that you're able to bring your whole self back to lead and to do these things that, that are needed and sometimes can be draining. So when you look back at the, both the tobacco education project, the Imagine Durant project, uh, my grandpa used to say, well, that's plowing new ground. I mean, you're, you're, you're going places that no one's quite gone before, at least in this community. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm wondering, as you sort of got this moving, talk a little bit about building that core group of true believers around you who sort of said, caught the vision themselves. Well, I think what was really important, um, whenever you're looking at that aspect is that if you are not able to, um, have vision, you don't really know where you're going. And also a lot of people had seen where we were and thought, okay, well, what we've done is not working. So what is it that we can do that's going to get us to exactly where we want to be? And we did have people from all over the community, from multiple walks of life. You know, we had, um, parents that were stay-at-home moms, or we had, you know, our college here, we had many professors that came and and, um, gave input. We had, uh, of course, the city and the county, and something that was really neat is the city and county had never really even talked before, you know, and so whenever you're looking at the growth that was happening in Durant, we were actually growing outside of the city limits and into the county, and we still are, but there was conversations that needed to happen with them because of that growth. And so um, people started coming to the table and realizing that we are so much more and so much stronger when we're together, that it makes more sense. So as people started to see that, more and more people wanted to be involved in that, in that process. And we ended up having, you know, our trails group that was formed whenever we first uh, wrote for the National uh, Park Service. They have a grant that they do that comes in and they help you plan a master trail. And that was made up of, you know, I'm still a staff of one. That was all volunteers. And it was people from all over the community that just simply wanted to have a healthy place to walk or to run or to ride their bike. And um, something that was really incredible with that is that there is an architecture firm here and, and the wife who helps with that, she goes, you know, I've been looking at our city map and look, there's a really wonderful trail system if you just follow our waterways. 
And so that came out of just a citizen who had this idea and saw it and said, I know that we can accomplish this, but I need more people with me. And then we created this group that had like 30 people in it, wrote for a grant, got it. And now we have a trail system that has started here in Durant. And you hit on something else also with that story about that citizen was that she was really, she found a way to be engaged. She had something to do. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are going to have a big idea, but unless they're really physically engaged and emotionally engaged with the project itself, they could just easily wander away. There's something even newer on the horizon now. It's what I alluded to earlier was the blue zones. And I'm very, I really didn't know anything about blue zones till maybe a few months ago when I began hearing about it. And, and so I've tried to learn a lot about it, and I'm very intrigued by the idea of how you all came into contact with this idea of Blue Zones and why you think that Durant is the right place to do one of these. So Blue Zones really was something that we found whenever we got through with our strategic plan. So we knew one of our themes was a healthy and connected culture, and we began to look at our statistics in Durant and in Bryan County, and of course Oklahoma as a state, usually is not up there whenever we think about the health rankings. We're usually in the bottom three. Um, So, you know, we kind of fluctuate between 47, 48, 49. And whenever you look at Oklahoma, the 77 counties, we are setting at 40th. And there are actually three habits or behaviors here in the county that lead to four chronic conditions that lead to 60% of deaths in our residents here. And all of them are preventable. And so um, that's tobacco use, poor diet, and sedentary lifestyle that's leading to cardiovascular disease, cancer, diabetes, and lung disease. And so all of those are completely preventable deaths. And that's one of the things that even Blue Zones looks at is that, you know, 80% of um, what makes us healthy is our choices and our habits. Only 10% is genetics. And so what is it that Blue Zones can do to help Durant in that area? So as we were researching and knowing that we wanted to make the healthy choice the easy choice and how do we get our residents on board, we ended up finding Blue Zones and this methodology that they used. And we saw that they'd worked with 49 other communities, had seen incredible success rate with their, you know, their healthcare costs going down, their actual um, employment rates going up, their economy going up. And we were like, oh my gosh, they're doing something right. They obviously have proven themselves over these 49 other communities. We have to have them here to help them, have them help us move forward with the initiatives that we're looking at as well. What are some of the things that they require of Durant to be able to come in or for them to come in and really want to work with a community like this? So we are actually going through really what they would call phase one Garland. They will be here the 27th and 28th and they are going to be assessing the community. And so they will be here. They will be doing focus groups, meeting with our city, with our county, with our schools, work Mm -hmm. sites, restaurants. You know, they work with several facets of the community. And so they'll come in, do interview processes. They actually sent a a built environment specialist to have him come in and assess the community and then after 30 days they will tell us yes your community is prime and ready for us to start a blue zones organization here or no this is your Gallup assessment these are the things that you need to work on Mm -hmm. so really and truly I'm not going to be able to tell you exactly what it will take for them to say yes you're ready for us to work with you but it's very exciting to think about the possibilities and just getting to the step one where they're coming to assess the community right you got enough attention that they're willing to come have a look-see yes and 
And, and you'll learn something from that. Absolutely, It's yeah. an assessment from someone outside of your group who really has studied this around the world. And they're saying if you have this desire to really want to elevate uh, your lifestyle, your, healthy, your health, the happiness, the well-being of your community, uh, this is what it will take. It's, they're telling you the truth. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then they have a track record to prove it. So if you, you'll find out if you're serious about it or not. I think what uh, was really neat is that we traveled to Shawnee because Shawnee uh-huh. is the only one in Oklahoma who right. has implemented a uh-huh. Blue Zones, and they're actually in year three. And when we went, it was more for our curiosity to see what had happened in their community since the implementation and make sure that we really wanted to move forward with having them come here. And just to see how their community has flourished how people have found their sense of purpose, how they have gotten healthier. You can go to a restaurant and order a healthy meal, you know, and it's something as simple as you're going to order a sandwich, but it's going to come with a side salad instead of automatically coming with fries, you know? And I think that is really impressive with blue zones because they're not making you change so, so much that it's not a hard choice. The healthy choice truly becomes the easy choice. Does your environment allow you to walk or bike to work? You know, because honestly, all of us live within this, you know, 15 mile life radius. And that is what shapes our health. Right. As I began looking at Blue Zones and kind of the background of that, which came out of the National Geographic, I was impressed that uh, when they found these communities around the world that were living longer and healthier, happier lifestyles and began looking at the common things, they weren't hard. No. They're not hard to do at all. And uh, probably the biggest change, I think, from a lot of us will be a certain lifestyle choices, which would be, you know, walk a little bit more. And, and they're not talking about hard exercise. They're talking about just every day moving around. And, and then maybe the, the diet, because we've become so uh, used to a certain kind of American diet over mm-hmm. time that it's hard for people to really get outside of understanding that there's another, there are other choices. The fact that they have seen success in the 49 other mm-hmm. communities in America speaks really highly to that. The one that comes to mind quickly is Fort Worth, Texas. Right. You think of Fort Worth, Texas, and you think of cowboys and big steaks and you know tobacco use and those sort of things. And they are actually in their third year of implementation as well. And they have seen astronomical results in their health care costs going down, their health rates going up. You know, I mean, so it can be done. And that's a huge community, and we're a small community. We can absolutely make these these choices for the better of our residents. And I think that's one thing they, that people don't quite get is that whenever you improve your health uh, and your wellness, a lot of the other costs associated with your lifestyle go away. Mm-hmm. So ultimately, it's not more expensive to eat better or to make different diet choices, at, at, even with you going with organics, because eventually you get that back in terms of lower healthcare costs and you don't feel bad all the time and you know, and other kinds of things that are benefits to you, but you have to see the balance of that. also received some other national acclaim. I remember getting a, a note from you several months back about uh, something going on with the Main Street Project. Uh, this particular event was uh, the, uh, the the reality show on Hulu and other places on YouTube and something else called the Small Business Revolution Main Street. 
and uh, Durant was was one of the finalists for that particular season. Tell us what you know of how that got started and what the result of that was. So I have to praise Stephanie Gardner, who is our incredible uh, director for Main Street. She had actually applied for the show, put in her application out of 12,000. We were selected to be in the top 20. From top 20, we ended up having it go to like a voting process. And then we got narrowed down to the top 10. At the top 10, they actually came and they toured our community. And so the show's host, the producers, the film crew, they came, they got to look around, you know, instead of just seeing images, they really got to meet with our small business owners, see what our challenges are, see where we can be approved on. Um, And then they ended up, the show itself, went from the top 10 to the top five and then five went to voting but they said they had so many incredible applicants we actually had a top six we went through the process so there was the voting it it all came down to votes and they would release it and we would be in fourth place or then we would be in fifth place and so every time we saw it you know it either push us to make voting happen a little bit harder so you know we would give away like Gwen Stefani concert tickets if you voted (laughs) and you know all of this crazy stuff anything that we could think of we had some amazing partners on that project the last results we saw we were in first place and so uh, the way that the show works is that they actually announce the winner by the host walking on stage and and they you know ask for where's the location of the of the watch party that you're doing is there a back entrance where would the green room be and so we are waiting you know for Amanda and her team to show up and they went to Searcy Arkansas <laughs> and so um, I just say they needed more help than we did we were they were like wow those guys are actually doing pretty good so um, you know congrats Congratulations to Circe Arkansas. We cannot wait to watch this season with them. But that was just an amazing movement that happened in our Mm -hmm. community and really united us in a way that I don't think has ever been done. We had this common goal to come around and, you know, our small business owners are just second to none. I mean, you know, they're the ones that are going to be supporting your kids softball team Mm -hmm. and, and helping you and And so I think it was a very eye-opening experience, even for some of our community members that maybe didn't realize what all our small businesses offered. And so even though we did not win the process, um, we've decided we're filming our own show and we're moving it from the My Durant movement to Our Durant. And we are currently in the works of making that happen. So we're going to still help our small business owners, even though we don't have a a show on Hulu. You never know. It might might come from a different aspect. It sure might. Plus... It's, uh, it's inspiration to all the other communities in Oklahoma who see themselves wanting to do something but not quite knowing how. Mm-hmm. Have you been uh, getting uh, people knocking on your door from around Oklahoma to ask how the Imagine Durant uh, project's working and if they can... Uh, do, do some of that in their own communities? I have had a few. Um, you know, it's it's very interesting. I think it's going to maybe take a little bit longer for them to be able to see the true impact because while we've had some small successes, you know, when you're look at visioning, looking at visioning and a strategic plan for your right. entire community, it takes time to see the, the fruits of that labor. And so I do think that while I've had some, as this continues to progress and you start to see even more coming out of it we'll have even more people that want to know how we were the model for the state to get this going because unlike the maps program we're not funded by the tax and so we're truly funded by our community members here Mm -hmm. right exactly and it is a it's a different kind of model Mm -hmm. but i think uh it and it also speaks to when a community gets a sense of itself and what it wants to become then interesting things start happening. People yes. come together around that. 
And so how would you describe the spirit of Durant? What, uh, what do you see now as the, as the kind of place that this community sees itself becoming? So I think that this community, when we were, you know, going through the visioning process and created the vision, because we listened to our community members, they said things like, we want to see a vibrant and thriving downtown. And we're already starting to see that. It's wonderful. Our shops are starting to stay open later. We have a coffee shop downtown. You see people starting to walk. That was not something. I got some side eyes, you know, every once in a while when I would walk downtown, they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, there's a sidewalk. I'm not going to drive two blocks. (laughs) You know, so um, having a vibrant and thriving community and having a place where everyone has the opportunity to learn and to grow and to thrive and be connected and know their sense of purpose. And so... I think that we're already starting to see that come to fruition, but I cannot wait to see that in its entirety. What's the next project that's up that the Imagine Durant strategic plan is starting to address? So, of course, we're looking at the blue zones, but we are also, I alluded to it a little bit earlier, looking at our county growth and our city growth, because as we continue to grow, we are growing outside of our boundaries. And so we are working closely with our county commissioners to see what kind of regulations need to be put in place, making sure the the relationship between the city and the county is continuing to be open and that there is a plan and process moving that forward. We're also working on aligning our business owners with all of our education system so that we are truly getting a qualified workforce so that our education system is creating the the workers that our our businesses here need so those are two just right off the top of my head they're multiple but those are two pretty big ones well i know that this whole experience has had an impact on you has changed you some way what would you say is different about you today than say five years ago before you started this project oh goodness five years ago i was so young and so green and really i walked into imaginary and there was a desk and i thought okay, so where's my policy and procedures? Because remember, I'd come from the state where everything is very, you know, this is how we do things. And and I remember Greg looking at me and going, well, you're going to write those. (laughs) And I thought, I'm going to write our policy and procedures? (laughs) Hang on, let me research that for a moment. And so whenever Imagine Durant started, you know, I I almost want to say that I I was a goldfish in a bowl. You know, I, I didn't allow myself to expand or to realize that there were these bigger possibilities and through the process of five years I have grown and stretched beyond my wildest imagination and I have learned so much not just about myself but about the possibilities of the future and so Imagine Durant has been just such a blessing to me and I feel like it's just going to continue to be that you know and I love the fact that now when I started, I was not married. I did not have a child and I have a baby who will be a year old on Thursday. Congratulations! And so this work is almost even more important because I know that I'm creating the community that I'm going to hope that he wants to stay in. But at the same time, I'm going to give him some really good roots if he wants some (laughs) wings to fly off. Well, that's a, that's something that we need to really emphasize is that the strength of any state is the quality of life in individual communities. Mm And if you're going to make a state stronger, you got to make your cities and towns stronger. Indeed. And if you're going to make your cities and towns stronger, the people who live there are really the heart and soul of that place. They've got to want to make it good for themselves. Yeah. And I think that's part of what I take away from watching this particular project. And I was impressed, I guess, when I came down and got to talk to uh, Greg Massey and and uh, Chief Batten, that uh, that was sort of what got them started. 
Mm-hmm. And it, it amazed me that they just sort of were having lunch one day and they got to talking about some possibilities like this. And, and as community leaders themselves, they said, well, if, if it's going to get done, probably guys like us are going to have to sort of get the ball rolling. And it kind of went from there. And, and that's really what it takes in any community is the people who are able to exert that leadership uh, certainly step forward and start offering that. And then the others who realize, oh, well, we could do something. Uh, come along and join join the uh, effort, and all these amazing things can can start to happen. Yeah, by far our biggest asset is our people. I'm sure that that's exactly true because it has to be. It has to be. Everything starts with the individual. So anyway, well, I'm just real impressed with what all is going down here in Durant, and I hope that uh, by uh, having you on this episode of The Spirit of Leading that will be able to help you spread the news, spread the story around the state that things are happening and they can happen in other places as well. And I really appreciate you taking time on a really busy time of the year for you all to bring us up to date on the project. And we look forward to seeing what happens with the Blue Zones. We know good something good will come of it one way or another. So yes. we're excited well, about that. It's always a pleasure, Garland. Thank you for having me today. Well, I would say that Durant is one of those communities that has plenty of heart and plenty of soul and that uh, we need to keep uh, watching to seeing what's happening down here in Durant uh, as imagine Durant continues to grow and expand and as all of these ideas become reality so my best wishes for continued success on that thank you well that's it for this installment of the spirit of leading with being we've been talking to Kara Bird the executive director of imagine Durant and uh, we want to thank you for listening I also encourage you to recognize and appreciate anyone in your community who demonstrates the spirit of leading at work or in the community Be watching for the next installment of the Spirit of Leading podcast. You can sign up for the podcast by joining the Empowered on this podcast page, and you'll receive notifications when the next installment is published. You also receive weekly links to my Empowering Thoughts podcast. The Spirit of Leading podcast is also available on Spotify and Apple iTunes. Until next time, I urge you to live empowered each and every day. Encourage the spirit, enliven the heart, enlighten the mind, and enlarge the expectations of living in yourself and in others. I'm Garland McWaters. Thank you.